of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful, not only to support our loved ones, but to positively impact our communities throughout the country. What do you think a private Christian education looks like? Grand Canyon University offers over 175 high-quality online programs across nine colleges. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Do you really think all this is an accident? You think we crashed on this place by coincidence? Especially this place? We were brought here for a purpose, for a reason, all of us. Each one of us was brought here for a reason. Brought here. And who brought us here, John? The island. Look, you want to push the button? You do it yourself. If it's not real, then what are you doing here, Jack? Why did you come back? Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy! It's a leap of faith, Jack. Two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. I see in another life, brother. We have to go back! We're going to need to watch that again. Hello and welcome to The Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and I was sitting in the tail section because that's where the discount seats that don't recline because they're in the last row are, and I like those. My name is Joanne Robinson. I was sitting in the tail section because that is a place on the plane where you are more likely to not have someone sitting next to you, aka you get more elbow room, and it rules. And I'm Neil Miller, and I was sitting in the tail section because I waited too long to book my flight, even though this is, I guess it would be me coming back from Australia. That's weird. Anyway, and all that was left was the stuff in the back, which, uh, I don't know. Did that not work out for me? I think if I, if I were in the tail section, I would have been one of the people who just died immediately. Just drowned face I'm down I'm at the bottom the of the ocean already. Yeah. I, I really like that. Like, first class definitely died first, right? Like, first class... Mm-hmm. Uh, on float i oceanic a15 super died and so that's a very like eat the rich philosophy of lost there's no like you know the millionaire and his wife uh on this particular island so right well All except the rich for people are dead. early i guess never mind well it's only the secret rich people <laughs> yeah we're back in the year 2020 talking about loss. We are, of course, referencing sitting in the tail section of Oceanic Flight 815 because we are back to do Season 2, Episode 7, The Other 48 Days, where we get to catch up with our tail section survivors and see the difficult time they had uh, for the 48 days that uh, we've been on the island uh, leading up to uh, Shannon getting shot, which is where we left uh, off last year, 2019. You're listening to... Uh, the Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast. We've spent some time out in the Star Wars, but that got a little too real. So back to Lost. <laughs> hey, uh, if you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash storm of spoilers there. You could sign up to get some bonus content. We talk about things besides Lost on our weekly storm chasing episode. There's also times you could watch movies with us in our Slack. The lowest possible contribution level of $1 gets you 
access to that Slack, which is absolutely the best place on the internet, whether you're talking about Star Wars, Real Wars, or hopefully Lost. So, Joanna, we like to interact with people who aren't part of our Patreon subscriber pool because we're nice. Uh, and people could do that through uh, reviews and emailing us. Do we have anything we want to read this week? Absolutely. Of course we do. And of course I'm ready review because um, I definitely remember that that's something I'm supposed to do on this show and I'm not at all stalling for time while iTunes opens up. Um, Neil, how was your holiday break? It was pretty okay. Yeah. I was a little sick for most of it, if my voice sounds weird, but uh, yeah. Sick of Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> still bearded. Still feeling pretty bearded. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Oh, we should, I don't think we ever, like, we should talk about that. Should we, we, it, we? Yeah, we never really. Well, I mean, we never conclusively. Yeah. We never like got. We didn't. There's still no conclusive evidence. Okay, so to support either we're, side we're of about, the case, we're about to drop some Star Wars spoilers, so that we can settle once and for all Neil's beard bet, mm-hmm. and then I will read a review. Um, okay, so about that. So what we needed to do in order to settle this bet is go to the tape and find the exact wording of what the bet was. There was a bet around Star Wars that involved Neil, maybe shaving his beard, maybe not. Um, and we need to find out exactly what the stakes were. Uh, and what we found out, I believe, uh, our, our tireless listeners combed through. There were like hours, spreadsheets, hours of wild. tape. And I believe what we figured out is that, uh, Neil's bet was that, uh, Ray's parents had to, what was it, matter? Be significant? Just like, be, uh, be people, be like from a, you know, of a people that we know, or like they had to, they, they had I to think, address it again. I, I think, think, I think well, it was just that it was, it was just a dr- I, I can't believe, I can't believe we don't have the wording written down <laughs> when our listeners come through. But basically, it was I, that JJ couldn't leave it alone. I mean, yes, and you were right about that. And and not only were you right in the spirit of the bet, I believe you were right in the exact like wording of the bet as well. I can't even catch you out on a technicality. <laughs> the beard is safe. The beard lives in 2020. So there yeah. you go. Uh, the beard lives. So, so far. That's the end of the bet. So. What if I shave it anyway? What if I just be like, eh, shave it all off? <laughs> you got to come up with a good reason for why you shaved it then, even if it's a lie. Well, I mean, I feel like the best reason at this point is no reason. Well, you could, I mean, you could do that. You could be like, that was my war beard and now I'm anti-war. So therefore anti-beard. <laughs> no, I don't. Cause I'd have to grow it right back. So I can't make <laughs> it about politics. That's there's too many variables. You, it could be your, uh, CBS is all access Picard anticipation beard. There we go. Uh, Joanna, do we have any reviews? Oh, we do. We have, do you want the five star review or the four star review? The five star review. Can only acknowledge compliance. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's a, so, well, let me, let me, uh, the four star review is more lossy. The five star review is more thronesy. We'll do the five star review. It's, it's, uh, okay. So this is, uh, by the groundskeeper of the Citadel. Five star is such a great podcast. Firstly, my entire life, I have struggled to explain why I enjoy spoilers and even seek them out. Thanks to this podcast, I finally have the words to describe my joy of the execution of plot. 
I loved obsessing over Game of Thrones, and I especially loved the joy these three hosts had coming up with crazy theories and predictions for how the stories would be told on screen and then how it would end with no book to guide it. The only show I ever loved to dissect more was Lost. I'm so happy you're giving me a reason to go back to the island and even suffer through some of the hard parts. Man, Charlie is hard to watch now. Did Dominic <laughs> Monaghan just have that much goodwill going into this that I never noticed? Just so I can discuss and dissect once more. I will say that I miss the crazy, the days of crazy theorizing. I'm holding out hope that as we get further into Lost, the storm will grow and we'll get to really dive into the various themes and crazy ideas. Joanna, please never read the toxic reviews about your voice or name dropping ever again. You don't need that negativity in your life. Thank you. Neil, thank you for the craziest of ideas and your never ending love for a certain Dornishman. Hashtag justice for Oberyn. Dave, thanks for assembling this team and for encouraging this klutz to get back up after she falls down every year. On a personal note, when my dad had a stroke two years ago, I couldn't fall asleep to silence anymore. So I would just listen to your old episodes on a loop to help me sleep those last two years. I know your old theories better than you can possibly remember. <laughs> Thank you for helping me through this incredibly challenging time in my life. I'll keep the Citadel crazy town swept and clean for y'all. Just in case you find an excuse to come back. I'm pretty sure there's a secret wing here devoted to beep, 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 <laughs> and everything else that remains a mystery on Lost. Uh, I edited that for you guys. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so thank you. Uh, wow, that had a real heart wrenching twist. At yeah, the end. I didn't. I didn't pre-read that, and I got a little emotional. Thank you for that uh, review. It's lovely. Uh, but yeah, we it's, are. It's also a good reminder that uh, we renew as a podcast the uh, group uh, uh, New Year's resolution to not fall down because falling down is dangerous, no matter what your age. Kids bounce back. Uh, if the elderly less so. So I think the safest thing is just to never intentionally uh, fall down and try to avoid doing that by accident. I don't want to shame anybody if you fall down. I fell down last year, but the year before I managed to stay upright. Don't fall down 2020 has already begun. Uh, so can I tell you a don't fall down 2020 story? You can. Uh, so I was just uh, in the UK um, and I was in Scotland and uh, Scotland is built on a hill. Uh, and uh, Edinburgh is which, where I was saying it's built on a hill, so there's a lot of steep streets. Scottish hills, yes, I've heard and of these things. Yes, they're called braes. Did you know? that? Oh, I did Yon, not know that. Yon Bonny braes. So, uh, so like, uh, Edinburgh, very steep. Uh, and then also we went touring around the countryside, uh, where it was raining a lot, which is why I sound sick because I was tromping around in rainy Scotland. Worth it, uh, but very muddy. So there were a number of times when I went up and down hills and up and down muddy hills where I was like, you know what? I'm going slow because I'm not falling down <laughs> in the first month of the year. And I'll tell you the moment. I, and, and this has a happy ending. I did not fall down. But there is a moment where I came closest and here is where it was. We were on top of a hill in Glasgow, which is called the Necropolis, uh, which is this uh, – really 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 cool graveyard in glasgow that has like a bunch of like mausoleums and stuff like that and it was really 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 muddy and the kind of mud um that's just like really like slippy so i was like standing in a particularly slippy patch of mud on top of this like hill in glasgow and then just the strongest gust of wind came like barreling down and i was like and i i just had to like tense my whole body and hold my ground but i was like if I fall down because of wind in 2020, <laughs> because of graveyard mud and wind, I will never be able to show my face in the podcast again. So um, I did not fall down. So it's I good for the podcast. 
yeah. That the wind didn't <laughs> knock you over. We're back for Lost uh, Rewatch Podcast without <laughs> Joanna because of shame. Because a strong gust of wind <laughs> blew knocked her, her down in Glasgow. Because everyone underestimated the true stakes of Don't Fall Down. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, you know, here's hoping that, um, I, I've fallen in the same place in the same circumstances the last two years in a row. So, uh, I am not wearing slippy socks on my hardwood store- stairs anymore. <laughs> and, uh, we'll just hope that I do better in 2020. All right. You got one down the stairs, one up the stairs, probably just a law of averages. So you're, you're booting, booting it for 2020. <laughs> Joanna fell up the stairs. Joanna fell down the stairs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's our review. And, uh, you know, you can always reach us at, uh, hosts at stormpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at stormspoiler. Nope, that's not what it is. It's at stormpodcast. Uh, you go to our website, stormpodcast.com. And, uh, you can leave us a review. We are very pretty low on reviews. So if you have a review in you that you want to leave, um, for us, we would welcome it. And that is it. That is my section done. Excellent. That means it's time to turn over to Neil to take us back to the island after an extended hiatus for the other 48 days. Neil, what happened on the island this week? Wait, Very. Can I- yes, oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah. Can I just say something really quickly? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Previously on Law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode was directed by Eric Lenouville. I think is how you do it. He's from Louisiana, so I don't really know how to do it. Um, it was written by Damon Landeloff and Carlton Cuse, who we are very uh, familiar with. It aired on November 16th, 2005, and it takes place on days, wait for it, 1 through 48 on the other somewhere else in the island, uh, which is, uh, as we're about to note, a very unique thing. Uh, in flashbacks, there are no flashbacks. It's a no flashbacks episode. It's very exciting. Uh, on the island, we witnessed the plane crash. Or you could say it's an all flashback episode. It's an all. Oh. Wow. All right. I like Fair. that. Okay. Uh, okay. On the island, we witnessed the plane crash from the perspective of the tail section, uh, affectionately known as tailies, which crashed in the water elsewhere around the island. It's immediately chaos. Ana Lucia, who we've met before, takes charge. Libby snaps some legs back into place. Mr. Echo kills some strangers and then stops talking for, I believe, exactly 40 days. Um, someone steals the kids. The others uh, show up and they don't have any IDs, but they do have a list of names, which is terrifying. Uh, for a short time, we get to know Nathan. He's from Canada, just like Ethan. He ends up in a hole that Ana Lucia dug. Uh, and then Goodwin just straight up kills him, which I believe is sort of a big reveal. Um, they've later, I guess this, there's so much happens in this freaking episode. It's uh, 48 whole days. <laughs> it's so much. Uh, they later find a Dharma bunker in which they also find a radio, but in order to use the radio, Ana Lucia and Goodwin need to hike to high ground, which is ample time for her to figure out that he wasn't on the plane and then impale him with a steak. Even later, Bernard connects with Boone over the radio, uh, which is something that we've seen from the other angle. Uh, but Ana Lucia is convinced that it's the others, so they don't pay it any mind. Uh, later, Jin washes up on shore, and it's a bunch of stuff that we've already seen before. Uh, in fact, it all ends with a montage of a bunch of things we've seen happen before, including the part where Ana Lucia shoots Shannon. And, uh, and now we're all caught up for the most part. Um, 
fun facts about this episode. There are a bunch of them. Uh, first, this was the first time that Matthew Fox and Jorge Garcia did not appear in an episode of Lost. Consequence, consequently, as of this episode, there is no character to have appeared in every single episode of Lost, which I don't think is a spoiler. Um, more fun facts. This is the first episode to take place entirely on the island, as you may have figured out. It's also the first episode that was an extended episode of the show, which means it has about five more minutes than your average Lost episode. Um, they they do this multiple times throughout the show. Don't worry. This week's column question. How many fingers would Ana Lucia have to cut off your hand before you just lied and said you were another? For me, it's like negative one. Yeah, negative one. <laughs> it's like also, the minute somebody's like, I'm going to cut off a finger. I'm like, fine. I did it. I'm the mastermind. This is my island. <laughs> also, if I'm Bernard, I just live in that tree now. That's I'm not coming down from there. Yeah. <laughs> That's just where I am now. I live in the tree. Bring me my wife. Bring, Bring me, me my wife when you find her. Bring me food, fruit, water. And just leave me here. This is where I live. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Build, yep. build a treehouse around me and my throne. Thank you. How was Nathan, uh, you think, going to get his way out of that? Uh, like, you know, if there was like a finger cutting, would he lie? Would he just be the guy without a finger? For would he, would I mean, he cut I think it off and then it would like rot? That's sort of the thing, right? It's like, I think eventually you would just be like, fine. Like, don't cut off my finger. I'm whatever you say I am. I don't know. Maybe I don't have the level of conviction uh, in my heart. He is, he is definitely the most naturally creepy Canadian I've ever seen on screen. Usually they're <laughs> like in, very nice and want to be very helpful. But he's like, yeah, I, I take two hours to shit. Why are you asking me all these questions? And you're listen, like, uh, what are you, some my, kind of cop? <laughs> listen, my dude has some fiber issues. It's fine. <laughs> Let him alone. Um... Yeah, I want to talk about Goodwin. Can I please for a yes. minute? Yes, so sure. This is a really fun reveal because we like we met, we saw Goodwin on that on that stake before. By the way, Ana Lucia, if you ever want a vampire slay, I know some hellmouths that could use some help. But like, um, we saw Goodwin on that stake before. You know, Mister Echo is like the way it's it's uh framed we think maybe he was one of them so that's fun suspense for this episode because we don't know as a viewer until midway through um and and it's funny because so the actor who plays him a good one is uh brett cullen who's been in a lot of stuff um i think he's like super handsome he's like really tall very like southern stuff like that after this episode of lost i have never trusted him in a role ever again (laughs) that paid off well for me in like some things like true detective but like you know other things i'm just like oh you could try to make me think that brett cullen's playing a good guy but i trust him never again so uh goodwin left a lasting impression on me that's all i want to say about that never trust brett cullen no i mean not like as a person i don't know if he's like as a person too <laughs> as a person. <laughs> if i like had a flat tire i'd still in the be dark mildly night, skeptical if i had a flat tire in the dark of night in la or something like that and something scary happened and brett cullen showed up to change my tire i'd be like no sir keep driving thank you <laughs> no thank you lost nope. brett cullen no thank you and he'd yeah. know exactly what you're talking about yeah uh, so does, do we think he, uh, keeps the fire going to make sure that the others know where they are on the beach? Or is that just an excuse to keep them on the beach where they, you know, are easily controlled? Because we have this other, that we have in terms of the others, like maybe the title of the other 48 days also implies how other focused 
this 48 days actually are. Oh, the um, other 48 mm, days. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah, there others. we go. Um, do we, do we think, like, how much is, is improvisation from the, the Goodwin angle? Uh, he has a, he, he doesn't enter as skillfully as Ethan, uh, and makes noise first rather than being called upon, which ends up being his undoing because he's not wet. Uh, but I did wonder about the fire thing because he seems very pro signal fire, which is both what you would do if you were on the beach and panicking and also what you would do if you wanted to make sure uh, your group of marauding kidnappers always knew where the people were. Well, I think I think that's exactly it is that um, Goodwin and Ethan they're like it seems like and and this is a really great episode because it it starts to ask some bigger questions about the other people on the island um but i think that it's clear that he's trying to keep them on the beach which sort of jives with what we saw from what we've seen so far with our main group of survivors is like when they're on the beach they're more vulnerable but they're keeping their signal fire going only when they went to the caves did they sort of feel like they were, you know, maybe a little safer uh, with this sort of mysteriousness of of who else is on the on the island. So I think that if I were to read only this far into it, yes, it's just let's, he's just trying to keep them there so that whatever terrible shit that happens overnight can just keep happening. I think Good- yeah. I think Goodwin's pretty good at his job. I think he's much better than Ethan at not seeming creepy. Like, yes, he got caught being dry, but like Ethan just shows up and he's just like a creep town USA from the start, as far as I'm concerned. Always staring at Claire with that expression. <laughs> yeah, with his like weird velociraptor neck and stuff like that. You know, whereas like Goodwin's just like, I'm a good old boy. I'm tall. I can be helpful. Yeah, that can- shifty Canadian. He's not one of us. Scared rid of him. <laughs> well, and it's interesting how, I mean, what's great about Brett Cullen's performance, which I think is probably why you'll never trust him again, is he's, a, he's really good, um, is that he, the way he looks at, at Michelle Rodriguez, the way he looks at Ana Lucia throughout this episode is like, he's, he sort of has everything else together. Everything else seems to be going the way he wants, but he can't quite figure her out, which is ultimately his downfall. Um, but when you go back and you watch the episode, you know, multiple times, it's like, you just watch the way he sort of is always eyeballing Ana Lucia. Well, and, and, and and the good cover there, I mean, at least I don't know if you guys feel this way, but at least as far as I'm concerned is like, I'm like, Ooh, does he have a, like, he has a crush on Ana mm -hmm. Lucia. Like, that's what it seems like. You're like, Ooh, it's like, this is the Kate. He's the Kate to her Jack. Okay. Like she like wakes up that one time and he's like been looking, watching her sleep. And I would have been like, if you were a stranger on an Island, I would have been like, you do not watch me sleep. (laughs) Um, yeah. Twilight had not come out yet. So that that was not romantic yet. It was still creepy. So yeah, no, um, Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like the, I like the cover of, of a, like a frisson of romance or whatever. And then you're like, oh no, bad guy, bad guy. Uh, so yeah, never trust, never trust a good one. Good yeah. one. We're like bad one, right? Oh, guys? No? <laughs> the knife scene plays really well too, because it's after like the neck snap and we're just sitting there. We're like, is he going to stab her with that army knife? And should you have not given it over? And then it ends up being like so much not about the knife because there's a giant sharp stick. Uh, hanging around 
I enjoyed it. Well, also, U.S. Army Knife, a little bit of, a little bit of Island of Mystery. It's not that the others uh, had a less mysterious uh, 48 Days, but I think they definitely had a more terrifying 48 Days. Oh, the Tailies? Uh, be- the Tailies, yeah, yeah, because they're, like, being hunted constantly, and they have to be on the move, and they, like, make a prison pit right right straight off. Uh, their graveyard they already find a hatch huge. pretty quickly, way yeah. more quickly than our other survivors. And they don't even <laughs> they have they to just kill open a, it. They don't even have to kill Boone to get there. You know, what right? I mean? Um, yeah, it's uh, well, what I like about oh, the reason why I would say, oh, this is an all flashback episode, is this, uh, you know, the the function of the flashbacks and Lost, right, is to help illuminate characters that we've made judgments about, right? So if we're mm-hmm. feeling a certain way about Anna Lucia, um. And, and her leadership and the way, you know, the tailies are, you know, they've alluded to losing people or even how many people they lost, but to see it happen and to see the way that Goodwin like duped them and all that sort of stuff like that, it helps you, it helps opens up your understanding, your empathy for the way in which they treated Sawyer and Michael and Jin. And that's really powerful. You know, like I, do I think Ana Lucia is a great leader? No. Should she have shot Shannon? No, but like, do I understand why she's so jumpy? Yeah, I do. She's had a rough it. couple of weeks. It's bad. Here's this tall drink of Texan water and then nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> right. He turns out to be the worst. Well, not to give too much away, but next episode, we'll continue our dive into Anna Lucia to try to understand who she is. Uh, because the, the, the losties are going to be very mad. Uh, uh rightfully so but she's obviously a very important character well because w- she killed shannon and 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 i will say that um i think that's a mistake i really like this episode a lot this is actually mm-hmm. a, a like a top tier episode for me but not to get too much into next week but i think it, it's a mistake i think the show lingers a little too hard on analysia all at once um between like the run-up to this and then this episode and then next week's episode and uh we can talk about like the Analysia. I I will just say in a in a calm way, I will just say Analysia was not a character that was super well received by the fandom. And so uh, yeah. I was doing some listening to the official Lost podcast, uh, which now is broadcasting back in the past at the same time season two is airing. I believe uh the episode for the forty eight days is like the third episode, so it's not like we've been leaving you without these tidbits of information. And but they do co- oh, oh if, yeah. If you're a member of our Patreon Slack, one of our listeners is like compiling them in an easy to listen to feed. So if you become a member of our Patreon, you can have access like an easier access to you know these uh old lost podcasts to the like actual executive place. producers yeah. yeah so if you listen to this week's episode about the other 48 days they do talk about casting michelle rodriguez who at this point was in like blue crush and girl fight and swat i think and she was like i you know i'm a big fan of the show i would love to be involved uh could you please not make me like a bitch ball buster because that's what i'm being cast as and uh david and carlton were like well here's the thing <laughs> That's what we need, but we promise you that that will be expanded upon as soon as possible so that people don't hate you. Unfortunately, it wasn't fast enough and Lost was in, like, the height of its popularity. And, uh, there were a couple of weeks where it's just like, why, why is this little, uh, ball buster kicking Sawyer in the face all the time? Uh, they do eventually come around to it, but I think a lot of reason why it is all like bunched together is Michelle Rodriguez the whole time was like, all right, but you're gonna like let people know why I'm doing this, right? Like anytime, anytime 
you know, do this because it, her introduction was very nice. She got to talk to Jack in the bar. We didn't even really know that she was going to be recurring. And then when you next see her, she is uh, scared for everybody that's around her and mistrusting of everyone except Mr. Echo, I guess, because he's seen her cry. But it's a complete flip that we have to discover improper lost flashback after we've already spent some time with the traumatized version of the character. Uh, so it's it's not done perfectly, but I do think it's done... It works better in a rewatch than it did from week to week with poor Michelle Rodriguez having to go grocery shopping in Hawaii and stuff. Fun! <laughs> um, uh, I... Since we're... Since we're on the podcast, I might as well uh, follow <laughs> follow along with uh, some other podcast tidbits. Uh, this one, I think, is fun. Um, from the showrunners, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, Carlton says, uh, on the door, they're talking about the door of the hatch they found. That is, in fact, the Dharma Initiative insignia, and we'll give you an exclusive scoop. That has another Dharma Initiative station called the Arrow. And Damon says, but what was done there, we will not tell you. It is currently being used for storage. Carlton says it's one of the other stations referred to in the Dharma Initiative film, and it was one of the research locations that was subsequently abandoned by the Dharma Initiative team. So now we have discovered the Swan and the Arrow. That's two of the project locations. And then Damon says, to that end, what they find in that crate there, one of the things they find, uh, and it's not the radio, is very important in the unfolding of the story to come over the next couple of episodes. You won't have to wait too long for that to pay off. And then... Damon Lindelof adds, except for the blankets. We are not referring to the blankets. In a future episode, Echo will be kept warm by a blanket and a shocking surprise. <laughs> so something, glass eye, Bible, radio, blankets. One of those is going to play into the next few episodes of Lost, the Lost uh, pretty heavily. Uh, your storm, if you're a storm Please section be the glass eye. Please be the glass eye. <laughs> you might know. Glass eye is a, is a, is big mystery and it definitely feels like the one thing in like the, the U.S. Army knife is a little bit of a mystery, but it's also not hard to think that like a really, really old U.S. Army knife could somehow end up on the I mean, shores of a, we've already island. seen them get dynamite from a slave ship. <laughs> right, right. So like, a U.S. Army knife from 20 years ago isn't that much of a stretch. But a glass eye that is unstored in any sort of, like, uh, case or, like, bottle of visine is a mystery glass in and eye of just itself. hanging out. Yeah, yeah, what is it doing there? That's this week's Jungle of Mystery moment, Dave. Ooh, Jungle of Mystery. <laughs> it's, the glass, it's the glass eye, right? Like, if we had to choose... <laughs> I mean, it has to be. The glass eye is I mean, the weirdest thing in this episode, where it's just like, wait, what? Why is there glass eye in there? It's definitely the most out of left field thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing that I had major questions after seeing this episode is the others are taking only the good people. That's what ah. good Goodwin implies. Uh huh. And the children. Uh huh. Well, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is the children don't go until like a couple days. So day one, they're like, these guys are good. Let's see about those children, though. They might be little assholes. So you got to see how they deal with the trauma on the beach a little bit. But they do manage to become graduated to good people. But I do think it's interesting that we always assumed that it was children. They were after children because we know they took Danielle's daughter and we know that they were after Claire's uh, baby. But the children uh, spend a little time on the beach before the others snatch them away. So now we have this new metric, uh, at least according to Goodwin, who is a liar, that the names <laughs> are the good people. 
and that the others are uh, sitting in judgment, I guess, of uh, uh, our losties. But that does, I think, it's the first indication um, that we've gotten that maybe all our crash survivors are going through like an actual trial. Not like these things are hard and they have to learn how to overcome it, but like everything they overcome, somebody's somebody besides us, the viewers, is watching them overcome and making uh, value judgments on their character, which seems interesting. Like super nefarious because the one thing you don't want in a evil, uh, mysterious force is them absolutely deciding that they could choose who's a good person, who's a bad person. Uh, that leads down a horrible slippery slope to like fascism and eugenics, but it does complicate it more than just they're after the children, uh, which I think is, I don't know, a bit more. Those others, man, I wonder if they're going to be important. Yeah, I mean, it raises uh, the question of, like, how do they know? Which no, I mean, is fascinating. They, they killed uh, Ethan and they killed Gil- the, That's all the others, right? They've got all the others now? They're done? No? Uh, well, I mean, they've killed the other spies, but... I'm just kidding. I know. We've got... We've got <laughs> someone's got Walt. So, you know. Yes, and it is... Remember Walt? Remember Lost? Man, remember Walt? Yeah. All right. If you take the Mr. Echo uh, murder of two others who try to kidnap him uh, as chronologically, aren't uh, the Losties the aggressors against um, the others? Don't they kill first? Like, the others haven't... I mean, they break poor What's-His-Face's arm in a whole bunch of places and drag him into the sea, but that seems like after Echo's uh, beat two of them to death with a rock... I don't know. They, they kill someone on our our side of the beach, on our side of the island. But isn't that after day one Echo killing? I guess. Okay. I'm just saying, so, like, from the perspective the of others, the others. Yeah, but, like, they land. They're but, like, like, hey, guys, come join our tribe. Oh, 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 and then they get, you know, beaten no, to death the rock. I feel no. like the invitation was a little different than that. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. Hey guys, we're our club. We've got jackets. If I mean, uh, listen, if I saw Mister Echo, like on the street, my first thought would not be, "I'm gonna drag the student to the woods in the middle of the night while he's trying to sleep," because that seems like a bad choice. So, uh, also, not a great invitation to join your club. Fair. I'm just saying that. They they kill they were killed first. The others were 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 killed. So first. are we laying all the the deaths of anyone who the others have killed on Mister Echo? <laughs> it's like oh I mean, well he struck first so he certainly was uh you know is Mister uh, Echo responsible for all of that for the death of Joanna? Did the others kill her too? Out in I the... mean I guess we don't know for sure that Joanna wasn't pulled under <laughs> Joanna uh, the swimmer. Her? According to the Lostopedia, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> according to Lostopedia, there's a there's a monster sound when the tail section goes under. So maybe the, the the island can pull people underwater. Maybe Joanna was the first uh, victim of the island. Yeah, remember that's Moon? a that that should be our new thesis. Anyway, I don't think you can hold Mister Echo responsible for anyone else's death, even like if this, even if he did kill first. I like this payoff of um of Ana Lucia's earlier line where she's like, I liked you better when you weren't talking or whatever. 
right? Like, this mm-hmm. is the payoff for that. We didn't know why he wasn't talking. And now we find out that it's some sort of self-imposed, like, penance for the crimes that he did. Uh, who do you think we, like, learn the most? Like, who do you think we is the most intriguing of the new characters we meet on the other side of this episode? Libby. Libby? Well, tell, because tell she's... About that. Well, we got a little bit uh, from Libby being friendly to Sawyer. So we're already kind of on Libby's side, but she's so cheerful in the, like, it looks like she's going to be our Jack. Uh, and if it wasn't for Ana Lucia naturally taking over the leadership position by like force of will and Mr. Echo deciding not to talk, uh, you could really see Libby is the closest one to having all of her shit together. I feel like, like Bernard's well-meaning, but a mess, uh, like no helpful jungle, uh, instincts coming from Bernard. Uh, but Libby seems, uh, like the person that has a, a level head on, uh, during the whole experience, whether or not, you know, there's probably sometimes she should have acted, uh, but didn't, but I, in terms of, people that I know the mo- more about now that I'm interested in knowing more. I want to know what Libby thought about everything that's going down. I think you know? it's Mr. Echo Yeah, for several reasons. One, you know, we get a lot of silence from Mr. Echo in this, in this episode. Um, but he's, you know, what's interesting about Mr. Echo is, uh, what he's doing in the background, like when he's not, you know, like it, as he's not talking, um, the things he picks up or we see him create the stake or we see him sort of linger on the Bible when they're pulling stuff out of the, uh, the thing. So I think they've opened up a lot of questions about Mr. Echo. Like what's this dude's deal? What was the significance of being silent for 40 days? Um, you know, where was he going? What was his deal? Sort of all the questions they asked of Nathan, um, are the questions that at this point we really want to know about Mr. Echo, who is, um, you know, this is very complex man. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I think the 40 days is, it's definitely a Christianity reference, but I don't think they bring it up in the actual. Right. Like it's show. like a 40 days in the desert thing, right? Yeah. All those, uh, 40 days appear as like a whole bunch, <laughs> like 40 days in the desert. Moses sits, uh, on Mount Sinai for 40 days to like talk to God. It's 40 days in between Jesus's resurrection, his ascension, uh, 40 days watering in the desert, fighting the devil for Jesus. It's a biblical number. 40 days, 40 nights from that Josh Hartnett movie. Mm-hmm, definitely yeah. from the Josh Hartnett movie. Love that movie. Uh, so <laughs> it's it Shannon like Sussman. Go- I was going to say it's a Shannon Sussman joke. It is. It seems like we're going into Christianity, but it also seems like his position in this episode is like, what if, uh, Locke was, uh, not like, what if, what if our mystic was like a different type of mystic? Not one who's constantly trying to involve other people in their shit, but is, uh, you know, self-isolating and like a physical weird threat. Uh, he's not like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's, parallel to our our losties but then flipped on his head as like a good example of television writing where we think we know what we're going to expect you know ethan nathan sounds like enough so of course we could be suspect of him when he's gone for two hours both from canada uh, taking Again. a shit yeah both from canada some weird uh, shots at canada by lost that's true i don't think that gets any better throughout the series at least off the top of my head either so how Canadians do you feel like, might want to strap in. Yeah, how do you feel like famed Canadian Evangeline Lilly felt about that? 
Well, I actually think that it's all based on, wasn't there a story where they were first starting to shoot where they almost didn't get her because of some sort of like Canadian visa thing? Oh, so, so they're like, so they're like, you Canada. They're like, forever. watch this. We're going to take little digs at Canada for the next several years. <laughs> as long as this show's on, it'll be an anti-Canada show. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like this episode because it sort of like repilots with some characters that we've already spent time with. But in terms of like, I think, I think Libby's raised to like a rose level of interesting in my mind. They're definitely all uh, as interesting as our fuselage side characters now that I've seen them whittled down. So I think it's like a successful episode, even though when it was broadcast, I think it was a, a risk. Not only is it super long, but you know, Matt, Matthew Fox doesn't show up and he's on all the promos. Right. I mean, it's, it's like we talked about it. This is an episode that breaks a lot of the loss conventions that we've come to rely upon the warm blankets, you know, I mean, even stuff like most episodes only take place over like a day or two on the Island. Whereas this one, it has title cards for or what day it is. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's got a weird rhythm to it because of all those things. And the lack of flashbacks is, is interesting, but I think you're right. It, for an episode that tries to do a lot, especially like the seventh episode of the second season, trying to do all of this, it's a fairly effective episode. I don't think I'm going to feel the same way about next week's episode, if memory serves, but this one works really well. I think especially because of how chaotic the opening is and um, it sort of brings you, it sort of resets, which actually is, why I've always liked this is our stopping point because it sort of resets lost and you're seeing the crash again and it sort of reinvigorates those same feelings that you had during the pilot on a slightly smaller scale, I guess. Yeah. You take a pause from the, uh, men pushing the button in a hatch debating fate versus free will and just straight up Island story. Right. Cause we spent like, you know, in real time, what has it been? You know, for lost fans, it's what several years of being on this same journey with our main losties and learning all this weird stuff. And then, well, I guess this is the second year, right? Uh, and, um, and all of a sudden lost is like, Hey, but what happened over here? I sort of feel like this is the beginning of the second part of the second season because we've, you know, I think we're, we've united our main cast, uh, uh, whether or not we trust them or not. They're all in the same place. Uh, Shannon's got a little hole in her, but otherwise maybe she'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> we've already talked about how Shannon is dead. So yeah. Oh yeah. That's this it. is, this is her actually final credited episode before, yeah. uh, of the series. So I think she's a special guest star next week. Uh, so. Um, it's, uh, but I also think we have our two main threats. We have the hatch, uh, which is, uh, part of this mysterious organization that it has harnessed some sort of force that can destroy the world if a button isn't pressed. And we have the others who are, um, very actively, uh, after our losties now, cause, uh, the stewardess was stolen 
that's something this episode doesn't flash back to is like the whole panic that set off Anna Lucia shooting Shannon is the others take another person mm, uh, closer to our yeah Cindy closer to our uh, losses than uh, ever before and uh, closer to our tailies than I think they've had people stolen before so we have ever present threats everybody's together and oops Shannon got shot well and I think one of the little details I like about this episode is that the show is starting to play with the idea of like Dharma and the others. Are they the same? Are they different? What are they? And I love the details of like when, when Echo kills the two on the first, like they have like nothing on them that's identifiable other than this list where it's like, wait, if they're part of, I just, I, I remember thinking at a time, like if they're part of the Dharma, like if Dharma, if this is like Dharma's Island or whatever, then, um, why are there people with no shoes on? Yeah. And I think that's a really fun and interesting question that if you are asking yourself that question, you're in a good place right now with lost. Excellent. Let's get through some of our other bullet points before getting into spoilers in our, or I'll let Neil do this. Neil hit us up with our, our soundtrack moment of the week. Uh, well, this is, I mean, this is just my, <laughs> my thought is that the best part of the, the Giacchino corner best stuff this week is the, the piano over Ana Lucia. But I think, and Joanna, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just a riff on like the main theme. Yeah. Um, it's Maybe. called, uh, Anna Cries, which nice. I, I guess is the, uh, the most Giacchino thing. Not, I, it's, I wanted more of a pun there. I'll be honest. What would you have done? I don't have uh-huh. a good one. Uh-huh. Something about tears and the river and the creek and the the water. Um, tears feeling like smothered, but other is all capitals, capital S. <laughs> S- sign me up. Mine, mine, I- would, mine would have been good one, more like bad one. <laughs> oh, oh ooh, hey. that's a good one, too. Is it? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm on a lot of cold medication, so I apologize <laughs> generally for everything. Uh, our Boone Carlisle Memorial Falling Down Award seems pretty obvious because a gentleman gets impaled after falling down in this episode. He falls so hard. Like, that's he the does. hardest you can possibly fall, is being impaled by a large stake. Like, that's my greatest sort of weird fear. vampire when i tell people not to fall down is it's like yeah you could just be slipping on ice but there could be a stake there you didn't notice and then it's, you got big problems could, could be about to get problems. good wind uh, did we talk about whether or not cindy cindy actually has a authentic australian accent yeah i couldn't remember that one did we do that one uh in the last episode talk about cindy's accent here's a question that's going to make me sound like i didn't watch the episode does cindy have an australian accent at all Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. There we go. I don't know. The plane's going to LAX in Australia. I'm assuming that. Oh, I you know, feel some like we did. Based in LA. Kimberly Joseph, the actress, because she's she's shown up before. Yeah. Yeah. We've All right. So we before. played that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna have yeah. to go in the back. There's. Blocks, I looked turns out. very closely. I could not find any other Australian accents this week. Probably it was just correct. Cindy. That child, uh, that poor girl, was going to meet her family in Los Angeles. So I think it would have been. Accent. I think it would have been really fun if, if part of Goodwin's cover is he had shown up with an Australian accent. 
Like, why not? Right. That right. is one of the questions that has lingered for a long time is like, why weren't there more Australian people on this a plane? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. <laughs> It's like why are and I mean it's you have literally a, Claire and Cindy. That's yeah, like it. Yeah, the pilot isn't even. Yeah, it's oceanic. Like it's a it's a it's a like it's an a, like a Pacific Islander based airline. Mm-hmm. Why is Greg Grunberg flying these flights? I don't know. So. Because Snap Wexley is the best pilot in the entire universe. <laughs> I mean, he he's was. a notable character. R.I.P. Oh, spoilers. Uh. Yes, um, the the Leslie Arts Memorial Ironic Statement Award. This is when we could actually say, because it's a flashback episode, and therefore the irony is not a spoiler, is Anne Lucia saying there are no other survivors. There are yep. no survivors, is the quote. Well, and what's what's really interesting about that is that, you know, you, you sort of... That reads into Anna Lucia's paranoia that ultimately leads to what happens to Shannon, where it's like, if Anna Lucia is truly believes that they are alone and this is their life now, then of course she's going to shoot anything that moves in the, in the jungle. Cause she, she thinks we're down to like five people. <laughs> this is our life now is the ultimate, uh, anti live together, die alone speech. <laughs> she's like, all right, everybody, this is our life now. Yep. <laughs> this Deal sucks. This is our life. Uh, let's see. I have, uh, one more quote from the official podcast check-in, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about another Damon Lindelof series, uh, connecting to loss. Here we go. This one's from Carlton Cuse. Um, or no, from Damon and Carlton Cuse. Damon says, We basically stole the stand and put it on an island. If anyone has ever read that book, the shout-out is for not suing us. And Carlton Q says, Stephen King is so artful at blending science fiction concepts or horror concepts with really compelling character stories. That is a model for what we were doing on the show. Those books of his sustain for 800 to 1,000 pages, not because of the mythology of the stories, but because the characters are so damn cool. Damn, they nailed it. They did. <laughs> right? They're like, we're doing Stephen King. Pay attention. Here we go. Season 2 of lost speaking of direct adaptations by damon lindloff joanna we've all three of us i think seen watchmen but especially you you did a whole podcast about watchmen and then covered it on vanity fairs hollywood it I seems did a whole like podcast about i did one one whole podcast one whole episode yeah i i i purposefully kept that singular <laughs> it was a good podcast um now that watchmen's over we talked a little bit about how Watchmen and Lost sort of dealt with some similar uh, story points before we had seen uh, Watchmen. Is there anything else we want to add here post-Watchmen to our our calm section? Or do we want to split this and go right into the storm with it? Yeah, I have a really interesting thing to tell you guys. Yeah. Uh, which is when I, I got a chance to talk to Damon about the finale of Watchmen. And... Uh, at the end of the interview, he asked me where we were on our Lost rewatch. So he cares, guys. He checked in. Uh, <laughs> I told him we were on Star Wars hiatus, and he said, "Godspeed." So uh, <laughs> Dave, Damon is is curious and checking in on the Lost rewatch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think, um, I mean, like some sort of uh, wide ranging uh, general spoilers for Watchmen ahead. Uh, but I will say that I think that, um, this idea of this is a love story, uh, which I think is something that I would be comfortable saying about 
lost and something I would be comfortable saying about The Leftovers is something I would be comfortable saying about Watchmen as well. And that's just something that's interesting. I think, I think we can say specifically to Damon because I don't think that that's, uh, repeated in Carlton Cuse's other work. And so I think specifically to Damon, this idea that like, we've talked about this before, but like connection and, um, emotion and character. It's about finding love despite your daddy issues. Yeah. But I mean, you're, you're making fun, but I mean, <laughs> like, I think that, um, like it, when you cut through all the like, cool visual stuff that Damon does, the cool spiritual stuff that he does, uh, you know, the sci-fi stuff, all that sort of stuff. Like you get to this idea of him wanting to desperately wanting to tell stories about people who connect. And I think that that is something that Stephen King is interested in as well. Uh, I think especially probably in the stand and, and certainly in it. Uh, so I, I think I like that you brought that up just uh, before we started talking about this, but yeah, there's that idea that like, there is a huge twist in Watchmen where you realize like how much a love story has to do with everything we're watching uh, this season. Uh, and I, I just think that that is a, an interesting thing for him to repeat, uh, explore and an interesting thing for him to be able to surprise me with again. Like, I can't believe he caught me off guard again. Uh, where I was like, damn. So next time I'll be ready. I'll be ready for the love story next time. <laughs> no, I mean, I love the way that Watchmen came together at the end. It's just, it's, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And I think very satisfying, especially for somebody who, whose career, uh, might be, categorized by some people who have a passing knowledge of it as creating little weird mystery boxes that may or may not get a satisfactory solved uh this is you know somebody who did a draft on prometheus after all so <laughs> it's nice to see a uh, forward progression in what what he's comfortable presenting as a conclusion i don't want to say in shows actually concluding because i think Lost concludes fine, and when we get there in a couple of years, I'll explain why. And, you know, like stuff like Battlestar concluded fine. Everything that was a, a controversial ending, I think, is just a popular show that ended. Uh, maybe with the exception of Game of Thrones, that's still really close in my mind. Uh, but it's, it's gonna be, it's, it's, I like Watchmen. I like that Damon Lindelof came out. He said before the series, started he made some statements about what he wanted the show to be and then he stepped in and he executed it beyond those statements uh which was a very satisfying storytelling adventure in television it was almost kind of uh twin peaks uh the returnish in terms of by the end of the series how game i was just for whatever the fuck i was going to watch even if i didn't understand it the first time through and i love that uh trust to a show uh when i feel like i can give it just like show me whatever and then uh you're i trust you to make it connect in a way that's emotionally resonant i still not exactly sure and i'm still reading pieces about if he went far enough into a lot of the race issues the show brought up but i'm happy they're there and i'm happy we're having the conversation about it uh big a plus from me for watchmen overall it's interesting because he also talked about like, and he talked about this, I think, um, on our podcast episode that we recorded with him at the end of season one, which is this idea that he's interested in origin stories. And, and when you look at Watchmen, uh, there's, I think there's three, three main, two main, uh, depends what you mean by main, but, uh, several origin stories within 
the season of Watchmen and one big origin story that we're watching this whole time. And, um, I think that you could say that Lost, like the, the, everything, every flashback episode is its own little origin story, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on Lost. And then I would argue, and I don't think this is spoiler to say that by the end, I kind of think we are watching one big origin story by the end of Lost. We can talk about that in the storm, whether or not you guys agree with that or whose origin story that might be. Um, but, uh, I think, I think it's interesting for him to, to say that, uh, and, and for that theme to come through so strongly. And in terms of like the mystery of the ending, you know, like Lost, I think, you know, Lost got dinged so hard for trying, trying to be explicit with some of its answers in a way that did not satisfy its audience. Um, and, and this is sort of before I think TV creators really understood the vocal and possessive way in which fandoms felt about endings. Like Lost was sort of the first mm-hmm. trial balloon. Because uh, yeah, it was like it was like Lost and then Battlestar Galactica, right? Right, and then like Thrones, and then mm-hmm. like Star Wars. You know, like like this <laughs> this idea of like tr- trying to end a thing uh, in this current era of fandom uh, is really tough. But um, and then and then the leftovers veers so hard in a di- different direction where. Uh, you know, Lindelof, the, the theme song for the second and third th- season is literally called Let the Mystery Be. And the ending of The Leftovers is so like intentionally mysterious. Uh, and like, uh, for the plot mystery, like it needs to be a, an open-ended question that they will never answer for the end of The Leftovers. And then for Watchmen, like it ends on this moment. And I was like, is this another like Let the Mystery Be moment? And Damon's like, no. He's like, I feel very strongly that you know what's about to happen at the end of season one of Watchmen, whether or not we get a season two, you know what's supposed to happen at the end there. And, but he doesn't show it. And that I think is almost like he's threading the needle even further between what he did with Lost and what he did with, uh, the leftovers. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's so, I think Lindelof is one of our most interesting creatives and it's so fun to watch him, perfect and evolve uh on these various themes that he is continually fascinated by so you mm. know just, and just like watch them refract through different properties uh so that's just a like as far as i'm concerned a really fun thing to bear witness to so yeah watchmen if you haven't uh watched it i don't think we've explicitly spoiled anything for you uh you know so uh you should watch it if you if you missed it um but if you were somehow listening to a lost podcast and didn't watch Watchmen, then i don't know uh that's a really confusing venn diagram it's an interesting choice it's an interesting choice uh but i i i think it's a a perfect jewel box of a season i almost hope they don't have more but then i kind of do hope they have more i hope they have more but it takes them a while i hope they do another season in like four years or something like that i think that would be really cool uh, but for now, we'll let the mystery be. So there you go. That's very nice to think that we're still going to be around watching television in four years. Let's take that positivity <laughs> and head into the storm right after this. All right, now is the time on uh, the podcast where we like to thank our Patreon subscribers at the $10 level or higher. So we want to give a shout out to Caroline. Patrick, it says Gallagher, but I'm really guessing it's probably Gallagher. So, uh, Patrick, either way, thank you. Cindy Schultz, 
Caleb O'Brien, Patrick Weintraub, Rob Thurman, Tony Perez, Jason Allen, Sandra Wagner, Red Hologram, D Donuts, Joe Galena, Aaron Badillo, Amy Mother of Dragons Breaker of Chains, Olda Ballman, Catherine Altmeyer, Bryce Pulse, Jeremiah Peck, and Anya Susan Sadness. Thank you guys so much. And I would like to thank Diana Fisher, Sam Williams, Delia Botch, Beth Weingartner, Mike Harris, Matthew Wilson, Joe Garrifin, Grayson Owen, Rachel Simon, Guava Corvallis, Thomas Hatfield, Frank Perinello, Paula Silva, Chris Biscard, Nate, Lulu, Allison Heishman, Andrew Bird, Jen, and Kelsey Lee Measure. And I would like to thank the following folks who are members of our small council. Alex, Matt Polari, Peter Hobson, Lisa Romney, Felix DeSelby, Lawrence Medina, Serafina Cobine, Jesse Baird, Justin Way, Aubrey, Amy GF, Lorenzo Siandra, Dave L, Michelle Boucher, Amy Schreiner Thomas, Shannon Como, I think that's right, Rachel, Scott McNeil, Monica Wolf, and Chris. It's just Chris. Anyway, thank you, all of you. You're just the most fantastic. We are back to talk about the other 48 days in ye old spoiler section. Uh, I, the reason I picked uh, the quote from the official podcast talking about the two stations that we went to is this is the last time we're at the Arrow Station. They never explain what it's for. Oh, really? This is, yeah, this is it. This is, which is really funny because they're like, we'll explain the Arrow Station later. Obviously, they thought maybe they'd come back to it. There was a point for the Arrow. But when we debated earlier in the podcast about what the Arrow Station was for, uh, we never, we never actually find out. I assumed it was like a forward munition storage, storage or something because, you know, Arrow that seemed like maybe it would work. Uh, flame is like the station, you know, it keeps the flame lit in the spyglass station or whatever, like looks at stuff. So I thought Arrow, maybe combat, but we never go back. Uh, we never learn as far as I could tell by Googling around what it was used for before storage. So storage arrow station, there you, there you are. It's just storage. I mean, you have just to have storage. storage somewhere, Dave. That's true. Especially if, uh, you need to conceal everything, uh, outside of your other's compound so you could pretend to not be in other places of the island for yeah, some yeah. reason. Like when like you, when you, you store, store your glass, glass eye, eye somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember if we talked about this uh, when Goodwin's corpse first showed up, but how do we feel like this Goodwin reconciles with the Goodwin that we meet who has the like love affair with Juliet? Like, I feel similarly about Ethan. I, I've talked about this before, I think. I feel like I don't really know how to reconcile all their different versions of others, and Goodwin is a particularly tricky one. Cause Goodwin, it's, the next, it's the neck snapping that makes him tricky, because everything else... He could genuinely believe he was right and be trying to do the correct thing. Yeah. Uh, but like the neck snapping is like, uh, you couldn't have just like, he wasn't a good person, I guess. So you couldn't have just taken him or something. Like we know now that there's a ton of places you could hold somebody captive. You could put him in the, the room, room 23 or something. They could have like put Nathan, Nathan in the cage with the polar bear. 
Yeah, they could have they could have done a bunch of stuff and not had to kill Nathan. But yeah, I would uh, you know if someone was like, "Hey, Joanna, fish biscuit or neck snapping," I'd be like, "Fish biscuit, <laughs> baby, sign me up." <laughs> well, it has to be because they need the tension for the knife scene, so we have to like that's the time you reveal Goodwin's bad, and since we don't know anything about the others, they're like, "Well, what's the worst?" And they're like, "Just have him snap Nathan's neck after he looks like he's supposed to save him." works in this episode but you're right in the sense that it doesn't fully track like whoever wrote this whoever wrote this episode damon and carlson wrote it (laughs) at this point did not know the backstory of goodwin fully Uh, because at this point right if we're pre-ben they still think that character is just going to be like a lark like they don't even know the structure of the others slash the split between uh it sounds like you know if they have a list of good people that they still are operating under the jacob idea that there's like a god force if they're doing the stand <laughs> they've already picked like god force sides but i don't know if they picked character sides for that i don't i don't think yeah maybe um i'm trying to think about how i feel about goodwin now over the long term yeah, I think it's tough. I actually think they sort of struggle to recontextual, you know, because it's all about it's all about taking that character that you've met and recontextualizing them in some way. Um, they struggle with a few of them, and I think Ethan's one. Although the Ethan thing sort of opens up when you like learn about Ethan's wife, and it's I don't know, maybe it's still weird later. Harper, yeah. Oh, oh no. So it's like Ethan's I think. Wife? Did you say Ethan's wife or Goodwin's wife? Ethan's wife. Who's Ethan's wife? didn't Ethan was going to take the baby for his wife. Like you start to learn like why Ethan was kind of a creep about Claire. Like the, the things that the, the others that they struggle to, con- to, to recontextualize are like the first two out of the gate, because I feel like they later will successfully recontextualize like everybody else. Like you, you feel differently about Ben by the end of the seat by, you know, the end of season four than you do when you first meet Henry Gale. Um, I think it was. So like, I think they struggle with Ethan's, both Ethan's, Goodwin and Ethan. Ethan's wife dies in childbirth, and his baby also does not survive. Yeah, so you uh, you sort of get a better idea of why Ethan is like obsessive about the okay. baby. Gotcha. Whereas, like with Goodwin, I don't know. He just seemed. He always seemed just sort of like the number two or number three guy. It was just like I don't know the. I, it, I think it was like Javier Grio Marswash. She said on the podcast that like you you know you're writing the first season and every like weird contrivance you come up with is a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. So it's like they have these jungle creeps and they know the jungle creeps have to be threatening and they like could come out of the ocean and they'll break all your bones and they'll uh, attack Claire while she's sleeping. But like the nice thing about Star Trek is you could just go to another planet when you need to reset and have like another group of uh, hostiles and uh, o- other people. This one, they're stuck on the island with the same people. And then I feel like the idea of interconnected storytelling, by the time they get to the others, it's just too good of a of a thing left open to not show the Ethan and Goodwin characters a little bit more. It's just, yeah, they kind of... Th- those those appearances are so uh i'll say well until we get there but well contextualized in the season that they are that i don't think they spent a lot of time looking backwards I, that's always i mean that's been the question i've had about lost sort of 
since we started this rewatch is, you know, like, can we tell what they knew when? Uh, because like the huge folly, I think in fandom, uh, that really manifested after Lost was this whole idea that, you come up with the story, you know what the story is, you put all the fucking important story points in a box, and you work slowly over years through hundreds of people in a television production to tell that story exactly, which is not how television works and not how television should work. Uh, I think, that, you know, there's something to be said for, uh, you know, writer's room responding to people watching television uh, that was very apparent during Lost that we've... Uh, you know, been missing since we've been living in streaming worlds, uh, where creators and stuff can like get on Twitter. But there was a time period and Lost was right in the middle of it in the second season where the show was both trying to do something and is in conversation with its fans as like a huge week to week show where they think about stuff like, you know, Michelle, uh, Rodriguez asking to, you know, please get to her character faster. Uh, because it's affecting her life. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I miss TV that operated this way. Not, you know, not that I don't love the stuff that we're getting. We just talked about Watchmen where it was, you know, they had this complete egg, if you will, and they sort of pushed the egg through time to show everybody, uh, their complete picture. And that was sort of the thrill of it. But I think the misconception about Lost is that it was a mystery show that had to be, complete and so i think as we get into like the season three and season four episodes uh that deal with the others more i'm anticipating my approach to continuity is going to be like how can i make it make sense not necessarily just poking holes in things that don't make sense because you're right in the sense that the Goodwin that we empathize with and the Ethan who's still a creep, but is an understandable creep, like a walking Phoenix Joker creep. Uh, then it's, I don't know like, if I go that far. Well, I don't think that character is understandable either. So that was an underhanded compliment. <laughs> uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to try to make, uh, the square pieces fit in the round holes. Uh, when we get there takes a, there's a fair amount of duct tape that they need to use. Yeah. Over the next couple like seasons. The, the assumption that if you see a character and you make an assumption about them and then you see something that challenges that assumption about them, then therefore you could possibly challenge every assumption about them is, I think, the storytelling currency Lost plays hard and fast with. But you're allowed to in a show like Lost. It's got crazy sci-fi concepts to help paper over those rough edges, uh, which is what's great about genre. Right, Joanna? Yes. Excellent. Love genre. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, since uh, Joanna seems very agreeable, Locke's totally the villain of this entire series, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> good. All it I took was it cold medicine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who who could have guessed? Um, I can't even taste this LaCroix I'm drinking. It just <laughs> tastes like water. <laughs> <laughs> just Just sparkly water. You've made LaCroix into just water. What has this world come to? Uh, how dare you? <sighs> uh, that's the sacrifice for the pleasance of uh, that floaty cold medicine feeling, is you can't, can't taste any drinks. Uh, all right. Is there anything else that we need to touch on for the other 48 days before we uh, jump off for this week? No? Good. Ooh, right. I have I like a stormy oh. fun fact. Yes, let's that do it. We did not get to. Uh, this is the only episode of Lost in which both Jack and Locke do not appear. This is Excellent. there's just the one. 
Um, I didn't want to put that one in the column because that actually did feel like a spoiler. Yeah, I also um, had to lie in the calm and say this is uh, Shannon's last credit because she is credited as part of the regular cast for the end. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, lying by omission instead of uh, beeping is the new 2020 way of <laughs> the storm. How Trump uh, of you. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Who? What is reality except what we make it uh, is what we're learning in 2020 about uh, Lost. Cool, guys. Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we going next week? Uh, we're going to have a collision with Ana Lucia. Uh, next week's episode, uh, season two, episode uh, eight, collision <laughs> is an Ana Lucia episode. It's, uh, it's going to be not a good episode. It's going to be a barn burner. Um, it's not a good episode. No, I think you made the, the perfect point earlier is that the show becomes too interested in Ana Lucia too quickly. And that's, uh, something we'll talk about at length next week. You know, I want to really talk about like 10 years after it aired cops. Let's talk about cops. It's going to be so much fun. Guys, until then, where could people find more of your work around the internet this year? This new fantastic year of coverage, Mr. Neil Miller. Uh, well, you can get me over at the film school rejects.com. Follow me on Twitter at rejects. Uh, and don't forget to follow our show at storm podcast. It's, uh, it's always a good time. And Mrs. Dayquil, Joanna Robinson. Uh, it's more like Nyquil, I think. Actually. Um, <laughs> the corner store was out of Dayquil, so we're on, we're operating on Nyquil only. Uh, you can find me at vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Uh, you can hear me talking about the new HBO series, The Outsider, uh, starring Ben Mendelsohn on the Still Watching podcast. You can hear me talk about award season on the Little Gold Men podcast. And for a few more weeks, you can hear me talking about my so-called life on the Boiler Room podcast because we are wrapping up the first and only season of my so-called life uh, in the next uh, month or so. So there it is. 2020. Get at it. 2020. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You can find me on the Fighting in the War Room podcast, which is entering our ninth year of talking about bullshit. And as always, I have to tell you, that just because it's a new year, it means we have more amongst us that have not fallen down. Just and because means- you're standing in a very muddy graveyard in Glasgow and the wind is blowing. Do not fall down. Also, you could be a junker from Nobody and Still Important to the Galaxy. Ray, Nobody, see you later. 